I think that uh, we've read Jesus so much that we've kind of gotten calloused to his teachings. I've sat in a lot of Sunday school classes already, as, as have most of us. And it's interesting what we do when we come to difficult passages. Uh, some that don't quite fit with our lifestyle or fit with our, what we want, how we want to live. And so we have clever ways of kind of getting, making ourselves feel comfortable with Jesus' radical teachings. Did you ever read the verse that says, give to everyone that asks of you and from him that would borrow of you, turn not away. Now, bring that to Sunday school class, and we're going to have really nice ways to figure out how that we shouldn't do that because it's not practical or because uh, people wouldn't use it right or, you know, we have all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't just give to everyone who asks. Um, a number of years ago, I was, we were doing a lot of work in Lancaster with children and then teens and then big people as well. Uh, we got into some really crazy situations. I remember one night we were... Uh, at this lady's house, and she was probably about as low as you could get in the city. Uh, she, she was in her 30s, I think, and she, had, she told how that from the time she was 18, I think, she moved every three months or so uh, because her life, was, her life was just a wreck. It was just it was a wreck. Um, and she would get her Social Security check every month, and just before her social security check came, everybody knew that she's getting it. And so they would call her and do all kinds of favors for her and, you know, take her shopping or whatever. And within a couple of days, it was just gone, completely gone. Everybody would, you know, pull it out of her. And she didn't know how to say no. And uh, then she'd have to figure out how to make it through the rest of the month. And she would do that by selling her body or do whatever, she, you know, whatever, whatever it took. <clears throat> and one night we were at her house and we were... We drove away, there were several of us, we drove away, and then we stopped at, at the house that Steve King owned there in, on, on Lime Street. And as we're getting out of the car, the police come and they say, get back in the car, get back in the car. And we looked around, and there's police coming, and they're just swarming us from all directions. <laughs> um, it was quite interesting. And uh, they, they looked in our car and saw their Mennonites. I don't know what they thought they saw. But they, just, they figured they, have, they don't have anybody important here. Um, and... Uh, and soon left us go. But uh, it was quite, that was an interesting experience for sure. And it seemed like they had watched us coming out of this house where there was drug activity and all kinds of things going on. And uh, they were following us. But over the same time, I think it was over the same time, we were working with this one couple and they were somewhat trying to follow God, I guess. And I was planning to, to travel to Romania for a few weeks to visit my brother Steve. Uh, and I figured that this one guy would ask me to use my van while I'm gone. And so I, you know, Jesus said we should, we should, uh, how does it say we should, uh, we should borrow to people or you know, let people, without expecting anything in return. Remember that verse? We're supposed to lend without expecting anything in return. And I just kind of thought maybe, I didn't, I didn't know what, like I figured if he, I, I decided ahead of time if he asked me, I'm going to let him use it, even though I also figured I probably wouldn't see it again um, if, if I let him have it. So he did, he asked me if he could use it, and I left him borrow it, 
And if I have time, I'll tell you what happened at the end of the story, at the end of the evening. So, but really, Jesus' teachings are kind of radical sometimes. Really hard for us to swallow. And uh, so, anyway, uh, we'll get more into this. Last night we talked about the two gospels. I think there's two gospels that impact us a lot, that try to impact us. There's the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of salvation. I think uh, we're influenced in many ways by the, by the idea of Jesus came just to save us from our sins so we can go to heaven, save us from our sins. I'm saying, of course, that we agree that he did that, but more of a <clears throat> saving that doesn't have to change us necessarily. Jesus' purpose was to get me to heaven, right? To get me saved so that I can live happily. Um, and I, I think, I, I mentioned how I think that we, we live out of one, but we learn out of another. I think we, when we listen to preachers on podcasts and here and there, uh, wherever, we, we, we're listening to uh, Luther's gospel oftentimes. But when, when we try to do church, we actually live out of more of a kingdom mindset where the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I think we get confused. There's a lot of confusion in our young people, maybe even in, in all of us, <laughs> that about what, what does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it mean, really mean to follow Jesus? So anyway, um, we talked about Jesus' most popular message, that Jesus only once mentioned the new birth. And in that case, he mentioned that the new birth is the entrance to the kingdom of heaven. And he said, if, you don't, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom. You can't see it, you can't enter it. And so, of course, the new birth is very important, even if Jesus only mentioned it once. But uh, it's as important as being born physically. If we're not born physically, we won't be here, I suppose. I actually, uh, um, I almost wasn't born. My great, 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 great grandpa, his whole family was killed except for one little boy. The Indians killed him. And he ran and hid in a log and went and lived with an Amish family. Somewhere, it's like several greats up there, the Glick. And so if, I, I usually say if, if he would have died, I wouldn't have a great-great-grandpa or something like that. I wouldn't have any ancestors. Or ancestors. Um, but <clears throat> Jesus, uh, well, where was I going with that? Um, Jesus mentioned the kingdom of heaven over 100 times. The birth, so birth is important. If we're not born, we're not going to live. And in the same way, spiritually, we have to be born to live the new life. But it's the life that Jesus wants to bring, not just the birth experience. And I think evangelicalism or the, 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 the salvation gospel um, focuses so much on the birth that it forgets the life. It's the life. Jesus came to give us life. And of course, that comes through birth. But if we're so focused on getting the birth right that we miss the life, uh, we're falling quite short, I would say. Oh, the birth is important, okay. <laughs> I think I said that often enough. So the kingdom of heaven, in my understanding, the kingdom of God are synonymous terms and uh, mentioned quite often in Jesus' teachings. Now, I'd like to begin with Jesus' first message when he began his ministry. Jesus, uh, remember after Jesus' baptism, uh, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, which is interesting. We wouldn't think the Spirit would lead people into the wilderness. But he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
Uh, and after the temptations, uh, he fasted for 40 days and was afterward in hunger, it says in the King James Version. Um, but then he starts his message. And by the way, I think when we think of wilderness, we think of trees and uh, you know, more of that kind of a wilderness. But the wilderness that Jesus was in has probably looked a little more like this, if you can see. This is uh, called the valley. It's, it's south of Jerusalem or down the, down the hill from Jerusalem. I'm not sure which way. Um, and it's, they call it the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, and it's an interesting place. You can go there today and there's still people living in tents around there, and Bedouin people. But Jesus spent his time maybe in a, in a place like this, uh, a wilderness that was very dry probably. And he was surely hungry and thirsty after that. Um, and so then he starts speaking. <clears throat> what did he say? Somebody tell me, what did Jesus start? What was his first message? Repent, repent right, good. So Jesus said, repent. What would be your first message to someone? What would be our first message? So he said, repent. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, it's interesting to me that not only Jesus uh, gave that message to start with, but John the Baptist as well. John the Baptist said almost exactly the same thing. He just put a little ye in there, at least in the King James Version. So in those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what is repentance anyway? What does it mean to repent? When you think of repentance, what do you think of? 180. 180, okay. Mm-hmm. Changing what? one's mind. mind. Where did you get that one? <laughs> Good. Uh-huh. I think Kendall Lapp, was it Kendall Lapp? Is that his name? Lapp was here a few weeks ago, and that was the definition he gave to repentance. It's to do with the change of thinking. Anything else you think of when you think of repentance? Think like God thinks. Think like God thinks. That has to do with the change of mind as well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the basic meaning of the word, if you look at the Greek meaning, is to think differently or afterwards, to reconsider, to change one's mind for better. And it has also to do with amending one's ways. But it seems like the basic meaning is just simply to change your mind, to think differently. So Jesus said... Repent. Think differently. Change your thinking. Get another thinking cap on your head. Uh, And why? He gave the reason. So what's the reason? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, that is a different kind of gospel presentation. So if we go back to the salvation gospel, if you want to get someone saved, you don't say to them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, do you? (laughs) We usually say, repent, because if you don't, you're going to go to hell, right? You should accept Jesus into your heart because you're going to go to hell if you don't. That's, that's kind of the, the, way we, the way things are. I don't know, that's more the popular way to do it. Um, but Jesus said, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I want to think more about that idea of repentance and change of thinking. Why is a change of thinking so important? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, but, but why? Why, why, is this, 
so important. And why would Jesus start out with this message? Change your mind, change your thinking, think differently. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Maybe it has to do with, okay, I'm thinking about this. As I said earlier, we've been exposed to Jesus' teachings for quite a long time. Most of us from probably nine months before we were born, if we could hear inside there. Um, But we've been exposed to the, the gospel message, the teachings of Jesus a lot. And, and I think maybe we become immune to how otherworldly his teachings really are. And like I said, we find ways to get around it oftentimes. Turn to Luke chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. Well, you should have. It's Bible school. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 6. And I want to... Okay, so we're trying to understand why do we need to repent? Why do we need to think differently? Jesus said it's because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I don't think we... I don't know. I think we often forget or miss or become callous to how radically other the, the teachings of Jesus are. Now, I chose Luke because Matthew, Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven, of, of God. Um, and uh, we can kind of get around that one, poor in spirit. Yeah, we can be poor in spirit and still drive, you know, a brand new pickup truck or live in the fanciest house in the block, maybe. But uh, so that one there we can kind of work with. You know, that works for us. But let's look at what Luke says. Uh, do you think like this? Do we think this way? Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. How many of you feel blessed when these kind of things happen to you? Just last week I had somebody take $2,000 out of my bank account, and I wasn't very happy about that. You know, that's not, I was poor, but I should have been rejoicing maybe, but I, you know, we, blessed be ye poor. Do do we really think we're blessed when we're poor? Um, Then he's, not only that, not only are the poor people blessed, then he says, woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. And we have a great way of getting around this. We say, oh, we're all rich. And that's supposed to end the conversation. Well, maybe we should for sure have these conversations <laughs> if, if we're all rich. This is a big problem. This is a big deal. Um, Woe unto you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophet. Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. We like this one because this fits with kind of our tradition and the way we see the world. Just good. This is incredible. This is a, an incredible gift that we have as a people that we have said this is something we should be living out. Um, and I want to I wanna bless that and strengthen that. I think that's an incredible gift that we have. Love your enemies, do good to them who hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. To him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. Him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Like, would you do that? Would we do this? Really? 
Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also like to them likewise. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful unto the evil. That's difficult stuff right there. <laughs> That's really difficult. Those are some really difficult verses for us to even know. We don't even know what to do with them. And I think it highlights that word repent. I think Jesus is calling us to think differently. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the kingdom of heaven operates on very different principles than the normal world. Now, I think as a people, as Anabaptist people, we have, we have, we've gotten this in some ways very well. There's some really clear signs of understanding, like uh, different thinking patterns, or we wouldn't, I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at us, <laughs> we're just different, right? We are, we're just different kind of people. Um, we're, we're a bit strange, we're a bit peculiar, right? And, and I, so I think there's, that's beautiful because that's what Jesus said. He actually, that's what Jesus came to do. He said, you're a peculiar people. You're a strange people. You're a funny people. At least the world should think we're funny. Um, that should be a compliment to us. Um, but there's other ways that, that we think quite, quite like everybody else. So we think rich people are blessed and poor people are not blessed, right? Um, God blessed us. He blessed us with plenty so that we can, I, I say sometimes, I think we think God blesses us with a lot so we can go take advantage of other people and God can bless us more. Sometimes we do that. But the kingdom of heaven is at hand and Jesus says we need to think differently. We need to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not so that we can get to heaven, as in the typical sense of the word, not so that we can avoid hell, I should say, but because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, the other thing I'd like to think about here is the at-hand part. Um, what does that mean? No, we, we think the king, you know, it's coming sometime down the road, right? We're, we're going to go to heaven or there's going to be a thousand-year reign or I don't know, maybe we have different perspectives on that. Um, but it's, it's for the future, right? In fact, as some evangelicals, some Christians would say that the Sermon on the Mount doesn't apply to us today. A lot of Jesus' teachings are for the kingdom age for the age when Jesus comes and sets up his earthly kingdom. Um, I think Jesus should have told us that if that's the case. <laughs> that would have been nice uh, if he would have at least left us know that, that it's not necessary to do these things until the kingdom age. But I don't think we actually believe that uh, as a people. I mean, we may get a little confused there sometimes, but I think we really do believe that Jesus calls us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand in some ways. So it's at hand. It's, it's, what, is it, what does it mean that Jesus' kingdom is at hand? Um, Matthew 12, 28, Jesus speaking, says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. It's something very close at hand. Jesus said it's at hand. It's, when I think of something at hand, it's within reach. It's something I can get a hold of, I can touch, I can feel, I can experience. Uh, and it's at hand, it's present, it's among you. Another verse says in Luke 17, the Pharisees were asking when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, 
Nor, nor will they say, look here, it is, look, here it is, or there it is. It's not in this country or that country, or you know, a certain vicinity. Um, for behold, the kingdom of God, this is one translation, says it's, the kingdom of God is in your midst, or it's within you. It's here, it's right within you, it's among you, it's present. And we can experience that in many ways. Mark 1, 14 to 15, I think this is a clear sign of the transition from the Old Testament prophets to Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the beginning of something new. Uh, It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Seems like Matthew is clearly saying there's a dividing line between the prophets and the law and John. John started something new. There's something new happening here. <clears throat> so, we don't have much more time, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think, I don't know, as I've started to ponder this over the last number of years, that the kingdom of heaven is something we can, we can, it's at hand, it's reachable, it's, it's touchable, it's something we can experience today. Um, I don't know, it just makes being a Christian so much more exciting and meaningful and transformational. Jesus, like I said last night, he came to, he came to make things new. He came to transform. He came to, we're going to talk about one night, he came to save. In a very real, transformational, substantial kind of way. Maybe I can say it like this. He came to take us from wearing, uh, tonight we were driving to, we were living in the city, we were driving to, to, to here, and there's this woman walking in front of us that, you know, you don't even want to look at her. It's just terrible. I mean, it, it was shocking. Uh, but Jesus actually came to change from that to, to what we see here. People living out of another thinking, like a, a new kind of thinking pattern. We're thinking differently. I like to sit in coffee shops sometimes, um, a lot actually. Uh, that's kind of been, I've spent a lot of time in coffee shops. I'm maybe of the younger generation, I'm not sure. Um, I study there and I, and I, I've sat in coffee shops already and, and you see all these, you know, people that are shaped by some kind of philosophy. You know they're shaped by something. And then you see these other people walk in. And they're wearing like a cape dress or something. And they have these coffee filters on their head. And you just wonder, what in the world? Who made them like that? Something shaped them in a very different kind of way. <laughs> um, but I think that's what Jesus actually came to do. He came to... Take us from darkness to light. He came to actually change who we are and what we do and how we look and how we think about money and how we think about poorness or being poor and how we think about giving, how we think about everything. How we think about buying a new vehicle or building a new house. Or Jesus came to impact every single aspect of our lives. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think it's one of the most exciting, like, and G, like I said, you know, Jesus talked about this a lot. So Jesus says, repent, think differently, reconsider, change your mind for better, amend your ways, 
because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I, I'd love to speak a little bit about the, uh, the setting that Jesus was speaking in. Jesus was speaking in a time when the Jewish people were under Roman occupation, and they were experiencing some very difficult times. Herod was a, a, a crazy man. Um, he was a great builder, and he, he built some things that are still standing today. You go to Israel, and you still see some of the stuff that he built. This is actually... The mound there was one of his palaces. It was one of the largest in the world at the time, within, dis- within seeing distance of Bethlehem. Uh, and so Herod had this huge palace with a huge swimming pool. And uh, here's this powerful man. And he would kill his own family. He killed two of his sons. One of them, uh, when Herod was about dying, he, he heard his son thought that his dad had died and he was saying, let me out of prison. I want to become the next ruler. And his dad heard it, and he had him killed just before he died. And then Herod, uh, when he was just about on his deathbed, he got him to gather together all the noblemen of the, of the area. Um, because, and, and his orders were that when he dies, they should kill all of them. Because he wanted, their, he was, wanted to make sure there's mourning in his region uh, when he dies. Um, he killed one of his wives, and then almost went crazy trying to, trying to you know, deal with that. Then his sons came to power. One of them... The Jews revolted against Archelaus, or Archelaus. You'll find his name in the Bible. He came to rule, and he, at one point, the Jews were rising up against him, and he killed 3,000 of them during one of their festivals. Uh, We also read about another one of his sons, Herod, who put John the Baptist in prison and had John the Baptist beheaded. So here's all of this stuff, and the Jewish people hated these, the Romans. (laughs) They hated them. We can't imagine what they were, what they were facing, I don't think. Um... And then here comes Jesus, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he could heal people, and he could still the storm, and he could do a lot of things. And they, they, I think they were thinking, probably even until after his death, that this is our deliverer. He is going to reign. He is going to be our king. Uh, even the disciples in Acts when Jesus was about to ascend to heaven, they said, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember that? And, and uh, they thought this was going to be our deliverer. They thought he was going to be their king. And he really was, actually. Uh, and that's, I'd like to talk tomorrow night about Jesus as king. Um, Jesus as our king. We talk about two kingdoms. Every kingdom has to have a king, right? And he doesn't, our king doesn't get elected democratically. Uh, He reigns forever and ever, and I think that's really, really exciting. So we'll talk more tomorrow night.